Welcome to Soulcraft Stories. These are conversations with people that are, in spite of the challenges, hurdles, and the mundane, are writing meaningful and fulfilling life stories. Like you and me, they have families, jobs, responsibilities, basically real life stuff we all deal with, but they aren't waiting for someday because that day might be too late to get your story started. They have, in their own ways, fought back against the resistance of excuses, society, laziness, and a bunch of other crap that, in the end, when the final chapter is written, is meaningless anyways. They've pursued travel, overcome addictions, learned new skills, and set big goals for themselves. Their stories aren't unique, but they're unique to them. So join me as we learn from each one of them and take their insight, advice, and turn it into permission for ourselves to stop procrastinating and start writing our own great life story. So, Bob, welcome tonight. Great to have you on this evening, sir. Thank you, Brian. It, this is an honor and a privilege. Yeah, and, and I do say, sir, because as people can't see on the podcast, I am looking up to the great wizard who is Bob Tate. So the I so thought it was I thought it was because you saw me knighted by Queen Elizabeth last week. Well, that too. But okay. but just seeing you in the flesh today today on Zoom is, you know, all the more powerful Thank from the from my vantage point. As I mentioned in my intro, Bob's been a good friend for years and his story, I've got to say is more colorful than most and when i first met bob it was almost like unbelievable the parts of his story the chapters in his life um i had to call bullshit half the time but turns out after all these years knowing bob son of a gun it's true so <laughs> we'll we'll try to sprinkle in uh as much of the as many of the chapters as we can this evening. And I think it's going to be a fun conversation. Uh, I just love talking to Bob anyways, um, and hope you will enjoy listening to him this evening. So let me start out, Bob, is one question I haven't asked you before. What is the one thing you could never get rid of? Since I know you've gotten rid of a lot of stuff lately, what's the one thing you could never get rid of? I would have to say my sense of, of adventure um mm. that yeah a, a sense of adventure i have learned over uh my time here on earth that um if i look at every day as an adventure uh by golly it turns into an adventure hmm. and you're the first one so far not that i've had hundreds but the first one that when I said a thing, you came up with really a feeling and not a, a commodity or physical thing. So I like that sense of adventure. That's good. See, I learned something well, from Bob every day, every day. If, if I had to name one, if it were a thing, it would be in cleaning out my closet. I found a pair of old golf shoes that had the, the lace cover over them, like the ladies wear. Oh, yeah. The old uh, pleated thing. Yep. Yeah, but they were mine by golly size 12. And um, I had a hard time parting with them, but Goodwill is now the proud owner of those shoes. And and maybe we'll touch on it. Bob at one point of his life was a professional golfer as well. The sense of adventure. Let's 
take that as a jumping off point to your latest adventure. Um, and it's a thing that you're using, but why kind of walk us through what it is, why you chose it and how the first, I'll say chapter of that new adventure go. That's, that is a great question, Brian. I'm glad you asked. Um, long before our current state of pandemic mayhem uh, struck, I have been around the country and around the world, but I really didn't know a lot about our own country, basically our own backyard, if you will, uh, intimately mostly running through airports and going to meetings and whatnot and not being able to take in um, local fare, so to speak. And I discovered some folks that were camping and they just seemed so excited. And I, I asked them, what is it that, that keeps you so excited. And they said, camping. And I just was baffled. I, I didn't know what to say. I said, really? And I just thought back to my days of camping being the most miserable moments of my life. Cold beans, wet sure. tent. <laughs> just laying on the ground. And, uh, and so from that Going forward, I, I started to realize that the, a lot of the trips that I was taking for business were by myself, and I was then in a position where I could afford uh, to have my wife come with me and found out that she is deathly afraid of flying, which is a whole nother story, uh, being that it's my chief occupation now, uh, helping people fly, but I, I thought to myself, how am I going to get her to enjoy life with me if she won't fly with me? And one thing led to another. We had some friends that bought a motor coach. We started to look at motor coaches and they seemed financially out of reach. Uh, I set it as a goal and three years almost to the day, uh, we took one home, uh, a 44 foot RV, a fifth wheel, and um, absolutely love it. <laughs> I absolutely, I, I, I now have an intimate uh, knowledge of the excitement that those people that I first initially met, why they were so excited. Um, Besides uh, getting to empty the stinky slinky, and for those yeah. of you who don't know RVing, go look up stinky slinky. <laughs> But don't actually yeah. don't don't actually look up. Right. <laughs> That's dangerous. For you kids, kids at home, do not try this. So, forgive me. This might be a continuing theme on this evening. Bob tends to tends to throw these zingers in. What was uh, knowing you? It's not the vehicle that you love. What do you love so much about it? about the rv the freedom the freedom just picking up and going and because of technology i'm able to uh run my business is uh from anywhere um 
yeah. virtually anywhere, virtual Where, business. And you just kind of, you took your first extended trip a month, month and a half or so here recently. What brought you the biggest joy out of that whole trip? What did, was it a, th- what, was it a theme, a particular place, uh, whatever it was, what was the biggest highlight? Um, if I had to, if I had to pinpoint it, it was, uh, well, it was intimate. My wife snuggled up next to me while we were going to sleep after an exhausted day of hiking and climbing and biking. And she said, this is the happiest I've been in my life. Wow. And, and that would, had a huge impact. I just said, wow, that's, that is wow. That's yeah. That's cool. That's, that's a great, a great chapter in the story. Yeah. Awesome. And you mentioned your wife and fears. Now I'm going to flip it a little bit. Um, share with us, you've recently gone through, you've gotten on kind of the other side of some pretty significant health issues, a lot of fears. Um, and I was, you know, sat with you for a lot of that and, and saw your struggles, but share how you sort of overcame those fears what was your approach how you dealt with it how you felt if you as much as you're comfortable with sharing that well that and thank you for asking and and also thank you for for being there uh that was instrumental uh in having a good close core group of people that i could share some very intimate details about what was going on with my life which was huge change massive upheaval in the day-to-day things. Uh, As much as it seemed like it happened rapidly, I later found out that no, it was a slow degradation of my health that was uh, being brought on by behavior, foods, um, intake into my body, um, not paying attention to certain signs and things that were going on. And uh, fear-wise, I wasn't really fearful until none of the doctors could figure out what in the heck was going on. And I, I, there's a certain amount of trust that I have in in uh, professionals, namely my physician. And he said, "I'm afraid I don't know what's going on." And I said, wait, wait, put your stethoscope down. Let's have a heart to heart. What in the heck is going on? And he said, I'm going to have to refer you to more people. And as time went on, I got worse. And I, I actually realized that I needed to get my affairs in order to, to the potential of, of not being here. Um, and, uh, it was scary, very scary because no one seemed to know what it was. And because of what it was, um, a neurological, um, atrophy of my body, 
that there was potential for not being able to be mobile, walking, day-to-day uh, -day functioning, things like that. And so radical changes had to take effect. And I didn't know that I was prepared hmm. to undertake that. So some very uh, soul searching, some deep, heavy soul searching that had to take place and some course corrections in my life. And um, here I am. Yeah. And I'll never forget, we were um, up in Orlando at the uh, um, aviation and trade show. Yeah. Yep. And I, I remember you first telling me in the gas station parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and I was scared. I was scared for you, but to yeah. see you come out the other side, what, what perspective, you know, your course correction you talked about, how has that changed in your life having gone through that and really doing that soul searching? Like you said, what has it made you do? What has it made? What has it changed in your life in terms of your outlook and how you approach life? I, I look at life well, I look at every day as a new adventure. Uh, I think we've covered that. Um, I see it for what it is, the potential to, to make magic happen. Uh, to be the wizard, uh, if you will. Um, and to be grateful and thankful for just the littlest thing. Um, realizing as I walk through my home that my dog is watching my every move. That cracks me up. It's like, <laughs> you think you're being sneaky, don't you? And she just starts wagging her tail and it's like, all right, all right. And we're communicating and just little things like that. Um, you know, from, from the smell of wet grass to my wife cuddling up and saying, this is the happiest I've ever been in my life. Those things and being able to go, yeah, yeah, that's it. Or weeping as a man at the birth of my granddaughter, thinking to myself just a short time ago, I never would have never would have had this occasion. I never would have been around. I wouldn't have been here to, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to see my daughter get married and now soon my son to be married and things like right. that. Um, For those of us who haven't gone through what you have gone through, you always hear the proverbial, you know, stop and smell the roses. Um, yeah. Take Like you said, don't take each day for granted. But frankly, sometimes it's it's hard. It sounds like almost lip service for some of us that have it. You you have a deeper connection to those thoughts and feelings. What would be a recommendation to give to others to say, how do you, because we hear it, here's what you do. But I think the challenge is, how do you do it? How do you stop and engage with your dog other than a pet on the head? Like you say, you have that sort of connection or take really time to sit in the moment there you know what it boils down to one thing practice mm. you you really <laughs> it's hard it's hard work it doesn't That's you bad. don't you don't take a pill you don't uh you know open a book you have to practice at it you have to think about it you have to it has to be top of mind at all times to be able to 
look for the goodness in situations. Um, take them for what they are and know that right now is right now, that, that you don't have tomorrow. There is no guarantee. The future is a myth. It, right. it, it's, it's supposedly there, but for some, it's not. They, right. they pass and not, we're not even cognizant of that fact. And the past is just that it's, it's gone. It's the past. And so being more in the moment, more in the now takes a lot of practice, a lot of practice. That's and I do. I set aside time every morning and every night to reflect and also to, to crank it up in the morning to, to, to be diligent and look for the opportunity to give thanks and be grateful and, um, and that's exactly why I love doing these podcasts. It's conversations with good friends like you that, you know, don't have a million book sales out there, but that piece of information doesn't come from a book. Like you said, most people try to go buy the book on mindfulness. That's 50 pages long, you know, seven tips for mindfulness. And no, it really comes down to, like a lot of things in life, if you want it bad enough, if you want that feeling, you have to practice. You have to continually do it and make it a habit. You're not going to do the seven steps today and implement it tomorrow. <laughs> doesn't yeah. happen that way. Yeah, yeah I promise <laughs> I'm going to get to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it's like New Year's resolutions. Somebody yeah. asked me just the other day, so you got your, res your your New Year's resolutions done? I'm like, nope. Well, are you gonna? I said, no. <laughs> no, I don't. Why would I set myself up for failure? That's crazy. Right. <laughs> I don't do that. Pontif what yeah, pontificate for us, if you will, on that. It, it, the, the, and I explained to the person that, that someone once told me, I look at what happened this past year, okay? And, and let's take away 2020 altogether. Let's use that and pick a year, right. uh, except for 2020, okay? Uh, <laughs> and, and I reflect on the year, and I look at the positive people that I, that I impacted or that impacted me. I look at the adventures that I went on. I look at the, the negative stuff, too. What happened that went wrong? What went wrong? What did I learn from it? And so on. So it's a, it's a give and take. And I start out with just a, I take my, 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 uh, my mole skin and on one page, I go through all the positive things and it takes a couple of days for me to really purge my brain. Um, it's somewhat easier because I journal now. That's one of the things that came out of getting ill. And uh, so I can just flip through it and go, oh, yeah, that too. Oh, sure. Yeah, the, you know, the boat trip or this or that or whatever. And then the negative things. You know, I met this person turned out to be not what I anticipated. Then this happened and so on. And what did I learn from it? And it helps prepare me for the coming year. And so on the positive, um, this meeting no longer has a time limit. I'll just say, okay. Um, there was a brief, for those of you that are popping popcorn, come back and finish up. <laughs> uh, I'll be, I'll be brief, but uh, it, you know, I, I go through it and I look at it and I try and set aside to set aside time for the coming year for the positive stuff hmm. and avoid, avoid like crazy, the negative stuff. Yeah. 
it's I, I was listening to another podcast recently. It was kind of along the same lines of goal setting. You know, what's my five, 10 year goal? That's kind of fluff. It doesn't do anything. It's hard to take action upon that. And he said, I focus on 90 days, you know, 90 days. I, I hope I'm still around at the end of 90 days, but it's something tangible. It's kind of like New Year's. It, and I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, at the gym, the gym fills up January 3rd, uh, you know, that Monday morning. And by January 14th, <laughs> it's back to the same old folks again, because you're setting it. And, and the guy said it great. What's so special about January one? We've made it special. It's like the Hallmark holiday of Valentine's Day. Somebody else says it's special. So that means I got to go spend money on roses. Well, right, what about right. the rest of the days that could still be special, like waking up with your wife in the RV saying this is the best thing ever. That's it. And That's it didn't happen on Valentine's Day. It didn't have to. It, it didn't, didn't have to. It didn't have to, right? Yeah. The journaling thing, because um, a lot of people do that. Do you do it to take action? Is it to um, shed thoughts, to capture moments? What? What is? What is your intent for journaling? Well, it's 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 it, it is runs along the lines of your your endeavor here. Um, it's my life story. I want, I want to leave something, a legacy. I want to leave something so that my children and my children's children, et cetera, um, can, can look back and go, Oh, that's interesting. You know, and, and, and see what I was thinking, what the weather was like, what I ran into that day. It's not a, the journal, it, it's basically a couple of paragraphs. It's a few, it's a synopsis of my thoughts for the day, my feelings, uh, good things, bad things. It's just a brief snippet of time. Um, I don't focus on being elaborate, um, John Le Care, you know, novel writing. It's not like that. It's just a brief snippet, and I do it every day. Mm -hmm. And and I I even do it. I do I record it if I'm if I see something, I'll record it. You know, then I, and I, if I can snap a picture, I'll snap a picture and I put that, you know, cause I use a product called Evernote, ding, 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 self-promotion, <laughs> uh, Evernote. Sponsored you know, by. Sponsored by. Uh, it, it, it's a great way to capture my thoughts and things and then access them as well for arguments too. I got to tell you, you know, I never <laughs> said anything like that. Hold on a second. Here it is right here. I even recorded it. There you go. No, uh, but like you said, for your kids too. And, and <laughs> that's one of the prime reasons I'm doing this as they look back, we have all these tools available to us. And it's like, Hey, you know, maybe someday they'll look back and say, Oh, my old man, he was a pain in the ass, but eh, he had some bright spots and you get to reflect on that. You know, if nothing yeah. else, it, if, if that's what happens, we'd be happy, I think, right? Dad, did your friend Bob actually have a dually pickup truck? Right. Yes, he did. <laughs> and yes. and I tell my youngest every day now, yes, that's my friend Bob. He has your dream truck. So <laughs> to tow his to tow his RV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can't so you're not a you driving around in a dually F four fifty, you're not afraid of much. But you've got 
you've got to have some other fears when you're outside the truck. What are those and how do you overcome them? Um, well, it's AI. I have a, a <laughs> profound fear of artificial intelligence. I really do. I could go on and do a comedy routine about that because <laughs> it's an oxymoron, artificial intelligence. Right. There's plenty of those people running around. But, um, you know, we're on the brink of creating a monster. I mean, rapidly approaching, you know, a threshold in history with artificial intelligence, uh, it's going to transcend human intelligence. Um you know, there's a, an author, Kurz, uh, the name escapes me, Kurzweil, Kurzweil, something. And his, his theory, he wrote a, he wrote a book uh, about singularity. The singularity is near, I think is the name of the book. And he is currently the chief engineer at Google. And he's got a really strong belief that 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 computers um, it's not going to be just one computer that can do things. It's the massive array of internet connected computers which will which will exponentially increase the speed to overcome human intelligence because, 50 billion nodes you'll have to check the book to get the numbers right because i'm paraphrasing here but it's kind of it's scary it really is scary there was a there was a study that's done that that began some time ago where they took a human being and they wanted them to correspond right to two different entities one was human and one was a computer and then they had to differentiate. They have to. They had to guess which one was the human and which one was the com the computer that they were conversing with. Everybody aced it. That's a computer. That's a computer. They could tell. Well, in five short years, no one could tell the difference. From '96 to 2001, when they did the test again and they used a larger slice, they couldn't tell. Right. It's now. It's now becoming there there are nuances and things that they're able to write into these algorithms that are actually pretty scary so i fear artificial intelligence <laughs> well as as elon musk said it's coming we've built it essentially the the train has left the station yeah i just hope it's nice to the human race yeah and treats us well that's yep. the you know, take that for what it's worth, but it's kind of one of those things that it goes back to our own stories. We so firmly believe, I think as humans, or don't even really, that's not firmly believe. I think it's, we don't contemplate the end of not only our personal existence, but the end of human existence. Right. We, we kind of have this assumption that the human race will live in perpetuity. Right. There hasn't been a species on earth that's done that. And who says earth's going to be around, right? You're right. That's it's coming. And we, we, we could, we, you and I have talked about it a lot longer than this and we won't bore everyone with it, with the AI stuff, but I think it is there. It's out there. 
which means it's more important than ever to take our humanness and create our own stories because the AI will come and wipe out stories of humans <laughs> in whatever form they choose. So, so to make your time worthwhile while you're here before they take over. <laughs> sure. Sure. And it, it, it is, it is yeah. kind of scary. Or yeah. Really and, yeah. and, uh, you know, that's uh, like you said, a word from our Orwellian sponsors, SpaceX. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Back, back to uh, the human race now. Sure. <laughs> so, so we got what you're, you know, scared of, but through that, I mean, you've done, like I mentioned, you've got golf shoes cause you're a pro golfer. Um, yeah. You, you reached, I think Ruby platinum. What, what level in Amway? Uh, I was actually the chief fry cook. I was the head of the French fry division. There we go. No, On Amway. No. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Yeah. Uh, I I actually, we reached the uh, direct dis distributor level and then emerald level. And then the diamond level was at the doorstep. And um, we divorce knocked on my door and the whole thing came crumbling down around me. Uh, that was one chapter and I, I'll add the color commentary to that chapter was Bob made most of his money, not selling the Amway goods, but going around to standing up on stage and saying, you can do it too. And then yeah. opening the back of his truck and selling cassettes and most of us with our generation know what cassettes are my kids have no idea what a cd is at this point but that's so that's the way bob was one of the original you can do it guys and if the internet was here i'd be talking to bob sure. tate equivalent to probably you know um it's four hour work week dude what's his yeah. um yeah. But so Bob's done that. He's um, he sold aircraft. He's been a pro golfer, and I can't even think of all the other side gigs Bob has had as yeah. chapters in his life. Tell us a little bit about um, going from one thing to the next when you reflect back on those different chapters and how they've added to your story as a whole. I mean, you journal, so you've probably thought about this as collectively would have would have those triumphs and tragedies <laughs> meant to you that's a that's a good question you know it, it started i didn't really have a lot of paternal support my father wasn't around a lot when i was young woe is me kind of story um my grandfather was a big influence and my grandfather i went to my grandfather one day and i said you know the boys in school are playing baseball i'd like to play baseball he said great go for it do it my grandfather owned a motel. Um, you know, we lived in an apartment building that had umpteen zillion units in Southern California. And um, <clears throat> I, I said, well, I need a glove and I, I need a bat and there's a hat and a shirt. And he said, great, go get them. And I was like, I need money. And he's like, great, go get some. I said, well, <laughs> look, I'm eight years old. I appreciate that. But how do I do that? And he said, well, I've got an idea. You, you know, your sister and you, you drink the soda pop and then you have these bottles and you just throw, you know, set them 
throw them away. You know, if you take them back to the grocery store, they'll give you a nickel. And I said, oh, I said, okay. So I take two bottles back and I got 10 cents. I'm like, wow, this is, this is not working out. And he said, well, come with me. And we went from door to door in this humongous apartment complex and knocked on every single door. My grandfather did the introduction and he said, the rest is up to you, Bobby. Tomorrow when you're done with school, before you start your homework, you go door to door. They said they'd set them outside the door. I went around and picked them up before he knew it. I needed a grocery cart. I uh, couldn't get that to the second floor. So long story short, I was able to buy bicycles for my sister, me, the glove, et cetera. So I, I learned that if you want something, they're most likely it's going to cost money and you better work to get it. So did that. Um, and then had a choice. I, 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 I ended up moving to New York to be with my real dad, uh, never knowing that I was never going to go back to Southern California except for vacations, but went for a summer, stayed for a winter, got involved in hockey at a young, at the age of 10 years old. And I loved hockey. I fell in love with it. The action, the speed, the, the, the whole idea. And I just, you know, tried as hard as I could, but I was really bad. I was a bad hockey player. You wouldn't want me on your team. And some of the guys got together and we hobbled together skates and gloves and things for hockey. And before you know it, um, I was playing club hockey and I traveled. And as I got better, got noticed, some of the more elite teams in the midget leagues, uh, the teenage leagues would say, we'd like you to come play with our team. One thing led to another. I was working, uh, pumping gas, uh, eventually had two of my own gas stations at a penny a gallon in escrow to pay for the gas stations from a guy who said I was a good guy, but I still played hockey. Got picked up by a couple of minor league teams, Buffalo Sabres, Chicago Blackhawks, and my NHL dreams went out the window when one day I woke up and my body said, enough. I was just not recovering quick enough. I was in a lot of pain, which was the onset of what eventually became a debilitating disease that I had then, but didn't know it. And um, so my body declined the offer to become an NHL player. And I thought, what am I going to do now? Uh, so I sold waterbeds, um, had the opportunity to have my own store. Then that's when Amway came along because I met my then, my first wife, uh, through one of the waterbed stores. And I'm going to keep it PG, but yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, so got to test uh, the product. Yeah. And I, I, through Amway, started playing a lot of golf uh, because I was making enough money to work when I wanted to. So my other passion was golf. Um, and I got good enough to get on a couple of mini tours, uh, played some tournaments, wasn't making enough money. Uh, because of one of my speaking engagements in Amway, someone approached me and said, I'd like to talk to you. Here's my business card. And it was for a variable data Dutch company called Osei, 
which is huge in Europe, the equivalent here of like Xerox or IBM. And uh, I went to work for him because I was running out of money and I was going through a divorce. The Amway business was tumbling. I uh, had a lot of uh, energy that went out of me when the divorce happened. Um, and um, started with a, a concept of desk at home, which would be the equivalent of creating home offices. Moved to Florida to open up that operation. Uh, had some partnership challenges. And all the while, these things, I still had dreams. You know, each time I had a setback, I would get back up and say, okay, what are we going to do today? Started with a, uh, met a, a buddy of mine that was in the, uh, it was a chemical engineer. And um, I told him about this product that I had seen. And it was, uh, it, now it's called Strike Hold. And uh, it's a cleaner lubricant protectant. We started that. I got tired of that because one of our main investors was, we just didn't see eye to eye. Let's put it that way. So I went elsewhere and ran into a couple of buddies from OSE. My days back in variable data, they were here in Florida and Sarasota. We started to do variable data printing for the nonprofit sector. We found a niche uh, to, to put our expertise in and we raised the level of giving in Sarasota to heights never seen before. We won all kinds of awards um, and there was talk of expanding the company in directions I didn't want to go in. So I started selling jet airplanes and never looked back. So that's my current. And here you are. There, yeah. here I am. Thank you for the cliff notes. That is fantastic. <laughs> Quick aside to our listeners out there. Uh, that was the shortest life rap of Bob Tate that I have ever heard. All of it is true. I kid you not the stories from each one of those chapters at first, again, I was like, no way one person did all this stuff in, in these different fields in the, from a hockey to golfing to Amway to selling jets now. <laughs> But it's hard to it's hard to believe I'll celebrate my 25th birthday this year. I just I can't right. believe cram so it's, much into. It, well, if you start early, you know, if you start around five or six, hey, you get a you get a jump on life. You get a jump on life. You do. But no, honest to God, one of the reasons why Bob is such a dear friend of mine is I, and and why this podcast in particular, this episode. It's about stories. And I always think, you know, Bob has kids. A lot of you out there listening have kids and you say, it doesn't really matter what friends say at, sitting on your deathbed and stuff, but what are your kids going to say? And I think a lot of it is, hey, you know what? The, the guy screwed up. He wasn't perfect. But damn, my dad or my mom, they led a great life and they kept they fell down, they skinned their knees, they broke bones, but they kept getting back up. And I think if we teach those lessons and you have lived that story um, so well in terms of that, of 
like you said, getting back up on your feet. And I go back to the old Rocky Balboa speech to his son. You're going to life is going to knock you down, but it's when it knocks you down is when it really counts. And what are you going to do about it? Are you going to get back up? And sure enough, Bob has gotten back up off the mat plenty of times. Um, And it's been, it's been, it's been a fun ride just to be in the arena watching him. (laughs) And and when he starts his comedic podcast, you know, look out again. I hope I get a ticket to that one. Um, You're you're there. (laughs) So you've overcome so much, but what what are you struggling with, or what do you struggle with? Uh, besides the physical restrictions, like, you know, the hearing, I can't believe that I'm, I'm hearing impaired, uh, the incredibly intense arthritis, um, something that I struggle with is meditation and relaxation. Uh, I do it and I said it takes practice, but it's, I still struggle with it. And you've been doing it for how long now? Quite a while. Yeah, probably uh, close to ten years, but 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 with a concerted effort, probably five years, five years of of intensely sitting down and just closing it all off and and really going deep. Um, yeah, I struggle with it because the the the, the it's hard to believe that you can struggle with something that makes you feel so good, you know? So, so why you say you struggle with it, but yet it makes you feel so good. Would you reconcile those two things for us to find the time to do it? I always feel like I'm missing something. So I'm go, 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 go. And I have to realize, stop, Mm -hmm. take a minute, take a breather, you know, set a, set a, said a uh, Pomodoro, you know, just stop. Yeah, uh, just sit in it. Yeah. Prior to this interview, uh, if you've all listened, uh, uh, another uh, buddy of mine, Mike French, talked a little bit about that as taking the time to sit in it. But the struggle of feeling the FOMO yeah. of something else. Yeah. yeah. So it's not the struggle of actually, just to clarify, not the struggle of going through the process once you're there it's creating the, the space and the time to, to do it, the struggle of, of making it a priority. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Good. So, man, your story, obviously, pretty amazing, and I, I would put it up there, you know, with the Queens of England. Uh, and I say that affectionately, even with your golf shoes. But yes. what, does your, what does your story mean to you? What does my story mean to me? Um, well, I know there's not going to be a sequel. You, you get, <laughs> I mean, I, you just get one shot at it. Um, so I, I might as well go for it all while I can. That's what it means to me. Get busy. I like it. Get busy. There's going to be no sequel. No I sequel. like it. You're always learning, so... The last thing, what are you learning about now? 
the Constitution, the Constitution, because of given the current state of political upheaval, um, I just felt like I needed to know more than what people were throwing at me in the media, Facebook, Twitter, blah, 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 blah. I just wanted to know for myself. So um, book that I picked up, I think I told you about it. I'm on my second reading. Um, how to read the constitution and why mm -hmm. um, good book good book yeah. yep and and never more appropriate than yeah. we're recording this uh, i don't know when it's going to go live yet but we're recording this on january 7th 2021 so the day after january 6th and everyone knows that's going to go down in history is a pretty one of the probably most crazy days in our country. So very, very appropriate. Yeah. Um, but Bob, thanks so much. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person as always, yeah. as we sit down in Panera and uh, really appreciate you opening up to uh, the audience and hopefully people really took away some wonderful, as I said, nuggets. Can't thank you enough, man. Have a wonderful evening. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. And, and it was uh, it was definitely an honor and a privilege. And I appreciate the opportunity to share and uh, uh, love you like the brother from another mother. <laughs> Amen. And just for clarification, I'm a yacht, lot younger brother. <laughs> right, right. My little brother. That's right. right. Sorry. Right. All right. Have you ever met someone in life and had an attraction to them, but at first you couldn't figure out why? Well, that's Bob for me. But after a while, I realized I'm attracted to his story and his approach to life. That's not a knock on his charming good looks, but he's got a lot more substance than his dashing exterior. The majority of our relationship has actually been just sitting down over coffee or lunch or maybe a beer and sharing our stories. It doesn't happen all that often, but every time we get together, I cherish that time because selfishly, I feel like I walk away either a little smarter, sometimes a little heavier in the heart, but often feeling lighter. However, each time I'm better for it because I got to share in his story. I hope you have or have the opportunity to have someone like Bob in your life because their stories can do nothing but enrich ours. Thanks for tuning in, Tribe. And remember, if you go to soulcrafttribe.com, I'd love to hear your comments in the comment section below each episode. And if you guys want to have Jane on, uh, let, let me know because I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, again, love your comments. Sign up for the email so you know when the next podcast come out. And just to really appreciate your support, go to soulcrafttribe.com.